Harper. Would you do that? Thank you, Pastor. How many of you are like myself and you're just thankful for just excellent, incredible leadership and Pastor Amanda and Eddie Turner? Come on, can you give them? We appreciate y'all so much. Um, yeah, I'm, it's just such an honor to, to be able to deliver God's Word this morning. Um, if you were here last week, of course, if you're here anytime when Pastor Eddie preaches or, or listens to any of his messages, are just so, so incredibly excellent, full of wisdom and experience and knowledge of the Word. So what I'm trying to say is if you don't like the message, come back next week and it'll be, and it'll be really good. Um, and so, um, but what last week he talked about, he talked about prayer and, and called us all to be, you know, possibly available tonight for the prayer meeting. And I just want to recap and I want to continue on just a little conversation about prayer. And what Pastor Eddie and recap talked about last week was if spiritual life is a priority in my home, it'll be evidence with prayer. Talked about three things, praying regularly, praying offensively and praying defensively. How many of you were here last week and you, you received that message and man, just incredible, incredible teaching. And so it is just with my honor, I just want to continue that. And we're going to be in uh, the book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. And we're going to jump around to a few other passages, but the main passage for this morning is going to be out of Acts, chapter 3. Um, verse 1, let's jump right into it. Say, so, Does anybody love the Word? Anybody ready to just, I mean, you just... Love the word of God. Amen, amen, amen. Verse 1, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. Um, what I love about this and what I would say to my students is you got to roll with people who roll with God. you got to connect yourself to people who are connected to God. you got to roll with people who roll deep with God. And here, Peter and John, we see them together. We see Peter and John together a lot throughout Scripture in the New Testament. Peter and John were the only two at Jairus' daughter's resurrection in Mark chapter 5. The only two at Christ's transfiguration in Mark chapter 9. Then also the only two in the Garden of Gethsemane in Mark chapter 14. You can also see Peter and John together preparing the Passover meal in Luke chapter 22. Verse 8 at Christ's trial in John chapter 18. Then running to an empty tomb in John chapter 20, and then you see them several times throughout the book of Acts serving together. I mean, this is a huge plug about getting in part, part of a small group ministry, being a part of the team here, going through growth track, and being a part of the community of God. We see them seven times throughout the book of Acts doing things, doing ministry together, doing life together. Um, assemble with the people of faith. Can I get an amen? It's just so important to not only just kind of go to church with you know, people of faith, but to do life together um, with people of faith. Why is that so important? Well, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 12 tells us very clearly two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one person fa falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple branded cord is not easily broken. What I love about this passage as well, and, and you see these guys rolling together, they're going to a prayer meeting. And what we see during this time is that there's three prayer meetings going on during their time frame, three prayer meetings going on every single day, nine, 12, and three. I mean, we call a prayer meeting once a month, you know? I mean, these guys are having prayer meetings three times a day. 
And here they are going to a three o'clock prayer meeting. Jewish culture describes and tells us that the first prayer meeting was instituted by Abraham, the second by Isaac, the third by Jacob. And what I love about this is that prayer should increase from one generation to the next generation and to the next generation. Unfortunately, I feel like we see it diminishing from one generation to the next generation. To the next. I've been so fortunate in every arena of ministry that I've been able to be connected with is that prayer was such a monumental aspect of that ministry. I mean, everything was done with prayer. Everything here is that we, we pray together before we have staff meeting. But, you know, that is such a big thing that's now become a fabric of just who I am, that we have to be a people of prayer. And we have to not only just expect one generation to be a generation of prayer, but we should expect the next generation to increase I'm preaching today. Are y'all ready to kind of roll with me for a little bit? And so we should not just say, well, my granddaddy did that, and I'm going to do that too. No, granddaddy did that, and I'm going to add to it. And then my children are going to add to it. See, there was a prayer meeting for the Abraham. There was another prayer meeting instituted by Isaac, and another one instituted by Jacob from one generation to the next and to the next. That prayer should, that, that life of prayer and that commitment to prayer should only increase. Does that mean we just kind of go back to doing things old-fashioned and traditional? No, 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 no. You can TikTok, you can Instagram, you can do all that stuff. I'm about it. I'm cool with it. Get the lights, get the haze. Let's get it. But just know we have to increase prayer. Prayer is not negotiable. Prayer is not on the table to decide whether we're doing it or not. Prayer is only on the table to figure out how we can increase it, how we can turn up the volume as it pertains to prayer. Point number one, we underestimate the power of prayer because we have never prayed until we have received power. Like Pastor Eddie alluded to last week, you know, I've been fortunate as well to grow up under leadership that tells, that that has taught me and Sarah that you should pray until you feel something lift or feel something shift or feel something break. And it's like, it's kind of like mysterious explanation. You only know unless you know. And so there should be this intensity, this focus and this fervency with prayer uninhibited until something happens. And what is that? You'll know. There has to be this intensity, this focus, this, I'm not just going to pray for five minutes and then scroll here and then get distracted. And the next thing I know, I'm just, and my day's over with. But there has to be this focus, intentionality when it comes to just our prayer life and continue to commune with God. Unfortunately, because within our lives, we've been so well trained to compartmentalize so many different aspects of our life, whether it's through apps, scheduling, being really organized, which are all about what I fear for us is not only are we compartmentalizing our life, but we are inadvertently compartmentalizing our faith. And so this is what I do on Sunday, and this is what I do on Wednesday, and it, and it doesn't become this overarching aspect of who I am. Yes, I got a lot of things, and yes, God is number one, but then we have to cross over and say, yeah, I got a lot of things, and God's most important. No, I got a lot of things. I, I only got one thing, and it's him. So I got, God is the most important thing. No, God is the only thing. It's just about him. It's just about who 
he is. And unfortunately, we have treated God like some kind of magic genie. If I pray enough, and if I say all the right scriptures, and if I go to enough conferences and do all the devos, and that's all great, we've just put it as if God's over here, kind of like, if you, hey, keep on praying for power. Come on, come on, guy, right here. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. Hey, there it is. Power. Wow. Good job. Great. And we treat God like he's just got these different little things that he'll give to us based upon however religious or pious we may get in our actions, not realizing that power is not, not an attribute he just gives. Power is who he is. And so we just got to get in on what God is doing, not try to get God in on what we're doing. Are you hearing me this morning? Too often we're trying to get God on what we're doing, and we need to be getting in on what God is doing. We got to get on what God is doing. it. And when it comes to this kind of thought process of compartmentalizing our faith, we have to be very, very careful that we don't treat God as him just giving these particular characteristics as we need them and letting him be just God of all of our life. What I can see that's happening is that a lot of, like, you may pray a certain prayer like, God, make my marriage better, not realizing you have to become better. Like, we want a better marriage, but are you willing to become a better spouse? We in the living room, we just chatting right now. We just talking, just, 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 okay? We want our children to behave better, but we don't want to make the adjustments as parents to become better. We want a better employer, but we don't want to be a better employee. And so we compartmentalize, this needs a fix and that needs a fix, not realizing prayer is not about just fixing your situation. Prayer is about fixing you. Prayer is about fixing us. Fear is, I mean, prayer is about adjusting the things in our hearts and our lives accurately in the word and will of God. So we have to pray until something changes. And I'll say this and I'll just touch it and I'll just get right off it. We, we want a better presidential nominee, but yet we don't want to be better citizens. And so we point at all the things that are wrong, not willing to just take the time to just look in the mirror, mirror and say, God, clean my heart, clean my hands, purify my soul so that I just reflect you and your will and not my preferences and my opinions. If you have financial problems, the solution is, isn't more money, it's becoming a better steward. And so a lot of times we want God to fix all these things and God's looking past all those and he's saying, no, I want to fix you. I want to fix you. I want because if I just spend my, my life, God, just answering just all of my wants, he'll never, ever, ever answer that one need in my life. Prayer is so important. Prayer is about getting in on what God is doing, not just trying to get God in on what we want him to do. And so prayer Don't be anxious about anything, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. But in every situation, prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The next verse, and the peace of God. Not, okay, you've answered all the petitions or requests. No, present all of these things to you, and the the consequence of that is the peace of God will guard your heart in Christ Jesus. Psalms Chapter 42, by, the day, by day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. In Romans 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. 
I believe many of us want what God can do for us rather than what God can be for us. Not realizing the latter is how the former is accomplished. Jesus said, I did not come to show you a sign. John chapter 6, verse 26. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform good works too. What should we do? Underline, highlight verse 29. Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. This is the only work. You want to do all this stuff? But just believe. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. Scripture says Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus corrects them and says, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread of heaven. See, we want a sign. God wants to fulfill a need. He wants to do a deeper work. Jesus said, I, Jesus goes on to say, or, um, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Many people begin their journey in God by, some, by something he did for them. And many people will fall away from God because they continue to demand that he do something for them. Are you following me this morning? Not understanding that it's not what he does that sustains us, it's who he is that sustains us. Verse 2, as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. This gate was said to be 31 feet wide, 60, or 31 feet high, 62 feet wide, made of solid Brass the man is 40 years old. He's obviously lived a long time. He's been, he's been living his whole life with this complication. May, I mean, making it through a situation that wasn't his fault. I'm so fascinated by, the, by how the author is quick to let us know how beautiful the gate is. I'm astounded by that just a little bit. Point number two, humanity places beauty in things man has made in their own hands. Disciples of Jesus acknowledge the beauty and the needs and brokenness of people because they are made by the hands of God. And we can make it, this happened to this person. This, this has happened to me. I've been neglected. I've been abused. I, I was born into this dysfunction. There, there's all these different things. And unfortunately, we entrust more to the leverage of unjust circumstances rather than the leverage and the power of prayer. A lot of times we like to see ourselves as the disciples, the hero in a lot of these narratives in the Scripture. But how many of us can see ourselves as the lame man? Going through life, leaving an aspect of ourselves at the gate and not really allowing God to do what only he can do. 
and bring full restoration to our life. Well, this is how it is. You don't understand. I, I was born this way. I still believe in God. I still have faith. I tithe and I'll give an offering. And I still, but you just got to understand this is just, this is just how it is for me. Because we don't know what we like. We like what we know. We like what we know. We like what we're familiar with. We like what we're comfortable with. And we have to be careful. Falling back into what we know is much easier than moving forward into what he knows. There's always something we do not know as it pertains to divinity and the will of God for our lives. You know the story. Peter and John picked, picked the lame man up. This is the first healing since the spirit baptism. It's the first miracle that's in, in the name of Jesus. This man has an experience that's life-altering, life-changing. Verse 7, Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. This is the kind of miracles Jesus produced. Immediate, 18 immediate miracles we see in the book of Luke. We also see 18 immediate miracles in the book of Acts. I also see such a visual imagery during this passage of This lame man having this money, having this lifestyle, having what he knows, and then leadership, godly, amazing leadership, coming out of a prayer meeting, giving him a hand into what would be something he is not really, I don't think, fully aware that's about to happen. And I get this imagery of him having to let go of the money, having to let go of the former lifestyle, having to let go this system of life that he's created that's been great, that's provided, that's made a way. That in many ways was divine. But there's always more. Can you hear me this morning? There is always more for you and I in this walk, in this life with Jesus. There's always more. But you got to let go of the former and receive the new. And so here, here they are. Verse 8. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began walking. Then walking, leaping, praising God, he went to the temple with them. See, God is not a God of partial healing. He's a God of complete healing. But what if God doesn't heal, right? What if God just doesn't do it? Pastor Bryce, I hear you, but it's been 20 years. It's been 30 years. We've been believing and praying, but it's been a long time. And I'm okay but it's been a long time. What if God just doesn't do it? My third point to you would be this. The true miracle God wants for us is that we are in love with the miracle maker, not the miracle itself. He is the bread of life. He's the one that sustains. He's not some circumstantial God that's just trying to get everything nice and quaint for us. He is the lily of the valley. He is the bright and morning star. He is everything. He's the only thing. Brother Wayne, if you don't mind coming and just helping me land the plane a little bit. What a beautiful, beautiful image of what God wants for us right now today. To not leave aspects of who we are at the gate. And to not be afraid to receive 
the need that God wants to answer. See, he wanted money, but he, he didn't get his want. He got his need. God, I want this. And God, if you would just keep giving me this, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it. And God doesn't just want you to make it. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to be a city set on a hill. Here's a lame man at a prayer meeting that was what we see in context instituted by Jacob. What do we know about Jacob? We know Jacob had the prayer meeting of all prayer meetings. Wrestling with God all night and saying, I'm not letting go until you bless me. I'm not letting go until I get a word. I'm not letting go until this thing lifts. I'm not letting go until something breaks. I don't think really Jacob knew exactly what he was about to get. See, Jacob came in, I need you to bless me. And God didn't just bless him, he changed him. He changed his identity. He changed his name. I didn't share, you're going to get a little, little something extra, free 99. I didn't do this in first service. He changed his name from heel grabbing deceiver to God fights. I think that's interesting that it's God fights because you might as well just call it, you might as well just call it God wins. Because God don't fight, God wins. God doesn't like, he's not in like, you see the stuff on, on like, on like Facebook and it's like God and the devil and they're like having an armor and it's like like if you think Jesus is going to win or like they're not on the same playing field like it's not even close I heard one theologian saying God has to step down to be victorious like I got to come down here and show you how bad I am I got to come down low to show you how mighty I am Jacob is the one that institute this prayer meeting what do we know about Jacob? Jacob wrestles with God until he gets blessed. Jacob wrestles with God until he receives a need. Wrestling with the, the, the emotional turmoil of what he's gone through in his life. Decisions that he's made. The wrongs that he's done. God changes his name and then gives him a limp. I got a limp, but it ain't from a prayer meeting. It's from Sky Zone. I wish it was from a prayer meeting. That would be amazing. I wish there would have would have been a prayer meeting. <laughs> but God gives him a limp. God changes his walk. God gives him a reminder of who he really is. And what I love about what happened in that prayer meeting with Jacob and then what happened at the, at the lame gate with the beautiful man is that what was one generation's limp is another generation's sprint.
What gave Jacob a limp is going to give another generation their legs full of life, full of promise. Friend, prayer is so much more than just a pastoral duty. So much more than just a Christian activity or event. Prayer changes us. And that prayer, that command to pray, has to increase from one generation to the next. It has to. It has to. We are undoubtedly reminded in the times that we live in that prayer has to increase. Prayer cannot diminish. This cannot be just something the pastor does. This has to be something that business owners begin to do and that politicians begin to do and that community leaders have to do. I'm here to tell you, friend, whether I'm a pastor or whether I'm a counselor or whether I'm on a construction site, prayer doesn't waver. It doesn't change. Someone say, I mean, do you have to pray a certain amount to get to heaven? No, I think you have to pray a certain amount to get to go to Walmart, right? I have to pray a certain amount to deal with your kids. Like, do you need the Holy Spirit to get to heaven? Well, I don't know. I need the Holy Spirit to, to go to the store, you know, and help me out, you know, and like calm me down, you know. And my, 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 you know, my coworkers. And prayer is what gets us through. Holy Spirit is here to get us through. I told the students last week, Jesus gets us to heaven. Holy Spirit gets us through life. Jesus is the way to heaven. And Holy Spirit gets us through all of this to him. If you want to stand on your feet with me as we close. If you want to just get into just a posture of prayer before we dismiss. If you want to just close your eyes and just put your hands out before you. Lord, we receive your word and your mandate to allow prayer to increase. God, whether we are a generation of people who are starting it within our lineage or a generation of people who are going to continue it, God, would you help us to institute modes and gears of prayer within our family, within our home? And God, we know that starts in us as individuals, God. Would you help us to turn the news off and to turn things down and begin to turn your word and your spirit up, God? Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart that burns to hear your voice, to be led by your spirit and to receive your will for our life. And we know our communities, our, our, our marriage is better for it. Our homes are better for it. Our community is better for it. Our state and nation and world is better for it because you are bettering us. You are enhancing us. You are, you are equipping us and sharpening us. God, help us to be a people who no longer just look to everything that's wrong and continue to set our focus and our gaze on you who is right, who is pure, who is noble, who is wise. We set our gaze upon you. Come on, one more time. Just place those hands out and just in your own words, just talk to the Lord just for a few moments. Lord, help me to increase it in my home, in my marriage for Juby, for Maddie, God. They, they don't just need me to be a good dad. They need me to be a godly dad. Sarah does, doesn't just need me to be a good husband. She needs me to be a godly husband. God, help me to do and to be who you want me to be. I don't want to just be sustained by all the things that you've done for me, and I'm thankful for it. I want to cross over into this place where you sustain me, who you are sustains me. doesn't matter where I'm at, what I'm doing in life. You are the bread of life 
for my soul, Jesus. And God, would you help the body of Christ throughout this day of prayer and fasting to cross over into a new dimension of spiritual renewal and awakening that people are going to to begin like never before. Call upon the name that's above every name, the name that every tongue will confess and every knee will bow, that you are the Son of God. And you are on the throne. And nothing could ever take you off of that. You are always sovereign and in control. We submit our lives to you today. We submit our vote to you today, Jesus. That you are the king and the savior of our lives and of our families and of our nation. And we desire your will more than anything in this life. Can you just give God some praise if you just love him and you just appreciate him? ever underestimate the power of prayer. Don't ever misplace what is truly beautiful in this life. And always, always, always seek the miracle maker and not the miracle. One generation's limp is another generation's sprint. Man, we are so honored and thankful that you were with us today. And if, like Pastor Eddie said, if there's any way that you could join us tonight from 6 to 7, again, if you can't, that's totally fine, totally understandable. Maybe you're at a place where you can, you know, can't be here, but then just want to set aside 6 to 7 to just join with us in spirit, in prayer, whatever, wherever you may be. But we encourage you, if you can be here tonight, how I many you know prayer is going to make it happen? Prayer is going to shift things in our nation. Amen. And before you leave, don't forget, if you are a guest today,